Welcome to Collector's Corner, the premier digital art platform. We help collectors gain and maintain their edge, all while appreciating beautiful art. Let's jump in. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Collector's Corner. My name is P, and today we have a special episode of Creator's Corner. We're talking about an upcoming release, Artist Corner. There's there's a lot going on in this episode, but I am here with the fantastic artist, Andreas Giesen, and uh, he has an exhibition coming up, solo, the first solo exhibition from Verse, starting on June 27th, and uh, going for at least a couple of weeks, I know at least until July 6th, but uh, we, can, we can get into all the details of uh, how long it'll be lasting in a second, uh, but it is, it's a solo exhibition, but you work with your partner, C.D. Venetti, um, and uh, welcome, Andres. How are you today? Hello, and uh, thank you very much for, for having me here, and I'm really good. The day is slowly ending here in south of Switzerland, and I'm glad to finish it like this. And we were talking beforehand, Andreas is from the Italian part of Switzerland. And uh, one of the great things about this job is I get to learn new things all day. I knew there was a French and a German side. I knew much less about the Italian side. So folks, there's an Italian side of Switzerland as well. Uh, smaller, but just as creative and powerful, in my opinion, as we will see here with Andreas. Uh we, we don't have a ton of time. There's so much that I want to talk to you about. So I want to just go ahead and jump in. And I wanted to start because you are, you know, you're not new to the Web3 scene. This is not your first artwork released, but you use a really interesting name. And I'm just going to share my screen for a second. Uh, this is uh, Andreas is uh, Twitter. Oh, there we go. Should have loaded by now. And can you tell us where did your, your artist name come from? This is not really my artist name. It's the name of the domain I registered uh, in 2001, I believe, uh, to show my online experiments. So I needed a name for my page, not a commercial page, just a page where I could put some interactive real-time uh, experiments that would run in the browser. And so I was looking for cool names. I was thinking about a name that would be would fit uh, for my project. And so I was imagining all this cool sounding stuff. And I knew already that if the name was too cool or too nice or too uh, intelligent somehow, I would be not. I wouldn't be so happy after one month or after one year. I I knew I knew I, that I it would be. I would uh, lose some joy uh, of it. And so as most of my work at the time, uh, like now as well, was mostly, mostly geometric, mostly very formal, but formal exercises. So I, I was thinking about a name that could reflect the, this idea. And the name is in front of you. It's a part of the keyboard that forms uh, a square with the keys. So it's just a sequence of keys on the keyboard itself. And I chose this area of the keyboard, this specific place. First of all, because it's it's a it's a nice uh, three times three square or rhombus, if you want. But it's also one of the few places that doesn't change if you overlap uh, several of the international keyboards. So this is the area that doesn't change. All the keys around this zone 
usually change with the French keyboard, the German one, the Italian one, the Swiss one, and all, uh, the, the American one. They all change uh, places of the keys, but this central uh, area doesn't change. And so I, I thought this would be uh, a good fit for my website. But then there is this problem if you have to spell this name uh, on a phone call or to, just to spell it to somebody, it's usually uh, a very awkward experience. No, that makes sense. And and this is a, a fantastic, I knew there was something interesting behind it. So I'm glad I asked you. And now that you mention it, I see it. And now it will be much easier for me to search for your works, which which I do. Um, we we found your work, I'll show real quick on FX hash. And I remember thinking, oh, this is such cool stuff, you know, uh, towers device, and especially this new one, smooth steps. I love that. Um, but before we get to all the stuff on the screen, I wanted to just quickly mention the show coming up. I also want to thank the Materialized team for sponsoring because, I, I mean, I'm super excited to talk to you. So it's Andrea Schiesen, C.D. Vanetti. The show is called Materialized. It is on view the 27th of June to the 1st of July of this year, the opening event, 6 p.m. London time, 27th of June. Here is the address. Here is more information on that shown here on the screen. Uh, I won't read through all that. And uh, you're right, it's my mistake. I, I uh, There's a the last thing that is releasing, I believe, is on July 6th. So that's where the July 6th came from for me. Uh, but the exhibition itself ends on July 1st. But um, I wanted to, to stop the screen share. We'll come back to it and show off some of your awesome works. But I wanted to just talk about you a little bit. You know, how did you... How long has art and technology been a part of your life? And when did you transition into Web3? Um, a good question. And it's especially good because art and technology, I think technology came even before. Uh, as a kid, I had this kind of a rich uncle. And once he came home and he brought me a keyboard of a computer and then attached after the keyboard would be the, the actual computer. And so he just brought this into the house and it was an IBM PC. It was very expensive for the time. So, and it wasn't a toy. Also, it really wasn't a toy. So when you just turned on this machine, you would get this like prompt with the cursor blinking after a few minutes. And that's, that was it. So you had to start to type something to get uh, to list the files and to execute programs. But also there wasn't so much that you could do with this machine. Uh, you had to find the program and at a certain point, you also could uh, write your own. And that's more or less when I when I started to to play around the technology, I got super interested in this in this machine and kind of never stopped with, uh, with it. And I think uh, this also brought me at a certain point into into the studies with I studied graphic design. I was attracted to form and things happening on screen. And that's also where, by the way, I met CD. We were both students at the same school. And um, so there wasn't much of art in my life. This came after, after we finished school, after we started a, a professional career uh, as as graphic designer so it happened in between a design and art contest i saw i was working on a on a project for nokia it's still at school so nokia came to the school and asked students for some ideas to 
for some project. And there I had this a kind of strange idea that didn't make it really to the final project, but I thought maybe the idea is maybe worth to explore more. And then in a second moment, I found an artistic context uh, of festival in, in this case, where this sort of idea was very welcome. And that, that was the first step into this world. So from an idea which stemmed from a very concrete, very practical uh, design uh, project, but this idea found a way into a more artistic context, uh, context and there this idea could uh, live on. And finally, this idea was also chosen in this festival and produced. And so I had an installation uh, running. And yeah, then I started uh, to, to work on, on useless things like this. And it, it was really, uh, it was a nice experience. But in the same time, the design work has also some of these features. Some, uh, if you work on a on a uh, on a, a project which um, has a client, you have a certain methodology, a certain way of thinking uh, around this project, and in a certain way, these two things, these art projects and the design project, they are not so far away. There are very little. There is very little difference in the way I work on them, not, not necessarily in the output, but the way you work on a project like this is basically the same, at least in, in my mind, maybe from the outside it looks a little bit different. No, that's awesome. And it's it's great to be able to flex the, the same muscles for different uses. And are, are you still working in design or are you now a full-time artist? Um, I have some projects and also, as, I focused a little bit more on the experimental, let's say, uh, area uh, of my work. And this also had a repercussion on the kind of client work I get. So it's it's a bit less pragmatic work and possible or eventual or future clients see the work I do in the artistic domain. And they think that this kind of project, that this kind of ideas could also work for them. So. Now I get selected by clients because of the experimental or the artistic work. So it's still going on. It's it's it merged even more than before. More before it was a little bit more uh, separated. Now it's kind of uh, coming together into the same uh, uh, <laughs> globe. Let, um, let's say so. But this is not new in, in history of design, especially some of the designers that I admire from the past. They had foots in, in many shoes. So they were artists, they were designers, they were several things. So I don't think it's necessarily a division or an exclusive choice one does. Keep going on in, in domains that are related to image, that are related to doing, to thinking about a project. And so, yeah, I'm still doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's probably a lot of crossover, like the the work that you do in design helps with your artistic practice and vice versa, exactly as you're describing. And uh, how long have you been working with CD? Uh, I, I know you, you work together, you and CD, um, but when uh, when did you really start like a full-time collaboration as, as a artist duo? I know you probably do some stuff by yourself too, but I'm curious... Has that been from the beginning or did that emerge later on? 
Yeah, no, so as you said, it's not a full-time collaboration. We collaborate, we only work. Basically, we don't do anything else together outside besides works. So he has his life, I have mine. He has his project, I have also mine. So, but in a certain moment, we come together and we work together and we collaborate. And this is our, also our space. So we also have a space together. But we met um, in design school, st studying graphic design. We ignored each other for, for the whole studies, but then our interests somehow uh, came together on, a, on the last project of the school. We thought, ah, we like, we both like this subject. Let's join forces and work together on, on this subject. And so it started. And CD is very, very nice and kind person. So it's really easy to, to work with this guy. Awesome. Awesome. And when did you transition into web three? You know, so you're doing some of this, uh, some artwork, some design work. When did, you know, web three and NFTs come in the picture for you? As I mentioned in the beginning, I was already publishing uh, experimental work in the screen space on, on my personal website at the time. So I was always interested in working on projects for the screen only, and especially when I could manage to get the full screen. And the same happened when the phones with bigger screens came out. I thought, okay, this is a fantastic surface to experiment, to put some content, which is not necessarily an app on it. So I was already in this sort of, uh, of thing where you can enjoy something if it stays on the screen, it doesn't necessarily get a need to get uh, out. And so when it came, when it happened, I was a bit late on the party. I was a bit skeptical uh, and in the beginning, but I saw a few people that I admired getting into it and starting to talk about it and this crypto app and NFT and then also generative stuff, but tied to the blockchain. So I got interested in it and I think it was 2021. I think we were already, or COVID was coming, and so the lockdown somehow also helped this isolation from the real, from the tangible world, helped you know, this, uh, um, to focus on what's what happening inside this, this space. Well, we, we are very glad that you're here, and I wanted to take the opportunity to uh, well, share my screen again, but to talk through a couple of your projects uh, because and, and show your website, which is also awesome too. So let me just share real quick uh, because I, I mentioned this before. I've been a big admirer of your work for some time now. Uh, this is not new. And, uh, you know, maybe we could talk about this first, your LCD1 project, which was I, I don't even want to, I, maybe you can just describe it because there's a physical component and it can display art from there. And there's probably more, I'm going to butcher it. Can you walk us through this? Like what, um, what was your, your intention here and what are all the features that this does? Uh, the features, it's mostly a useless device. So all these features, they are mostly pointless, but, um, this is a, this is part of a series uh, of projects I'm working on since very long. So I have a fascination for screens and displays of all kinds, not necessarily computer or phone screens, but also these, let's say, lesser, if you want, screens. So for example, this one is a liquid crystal screen, which is only black and white. And 
I found this this display uh, somewhere online. Uh, I heard about it. I think a console was coming out a few years ago, and the guys developing it, they posted a screenshot of this screen. It was a really uh, early work in progress shot, and they gave the brand of this uh, of this liquid crystal uh, display. It's made by Sharp. And it's called memory display, which is also a super nice name. But this this screen is amazing. It's not new; it's probably ten years old. The this, the industrial component, and it's not backlit, so it only uh, uses uh, reflected light. It has a really high contrast, especially under sunlight, which is a bit different from screens that are backlit because they need to compete with the sun. But this one harvests the sun, and really it becomes very high contrast under under the sun. And it's also really, um, the, the resolution is really high and the refresh rate can also be high. And so I bought it, I bought this screen, but the screen comes, it's just a piece of glass basically with, with this tiny connector that comes out. And so I needed to build um, an embodiment around it. And that's not the kind of work I do by my own. I'm not an electronics engineer. I'm not really good in designing electronics, so I collaborate with, with several engineers and I usually give them a lot of constraints and I have a lot of requests, but it's really a sort of a dialogue with these engineers that I usually work with. And I designed, let's say, in a macroscopic level, the kind of device that I needed and then the engineer comes back with his own solution. And then we ping pong back and forth a few times and then Finally, I had a prototype, and yeah. So this this part, this physical piece, it's really small. It's it's this big, and it features also a microprocessor, and a few buttons, and a few extra LEDs that I just wanted to have on the board, and also this battery. So this idea of something that you can carry uh, with you was was quite important for for this piece, and yeah. So. I started to write a piece of generative software for it. And I was really happy with the results at a certain point. And so I thought that this could be an interesting experiment to put on the blockchain. But as it's a physical piece, it's not something that's not how, how it works. And so I needed to find a, a, a digital counterpart. But I, I didn't want to replicate a software version of this piece just to have it as a sort of metadata for the token. So I came up with the idea to create a terminal. So this is a piece of software that doesn't do anything on its own, it just sits there, but it comes to life as soon as you connect the physical piece to this software terminal and you can do this through the browser. And when this happens, the physical piece can stream the data. So what you see on the screen, it can stream it to the serial port, which is kind of a miracle that this is still allowed on browsers, but it is on some browsers at least. And this data is then displayed um, on a screen in real time. And this allows also, for example, so this small device can stream its content to much bigger screen. It can even be projected and there is also an extra step that happens. So there is a small difference. I wanted it not to be the exact same difference. So there is color that gets uh, added to, to the equation. So 
the output in if you stream it through the computer it becomes colorful there we go so here's an example of that right this is not you can then save the output this is just a text file but you can save the output as text if you really want to and so and i designed the package yeah and this is a this is the token when it's not connected yeah this is super cool and it's a good uh foreshadowing as we're going to talk about materialized how you have physical elements as well uh to not i'm sure not all of your work but certainly some of this and how was that for you to to dive into the physical part you know having to create something like that as well ah it, it's it's an exhausting work because uh, you make choices and these choices they become a product and it costs a lot of money to produce something like this and a lot of time and a lot of if you make it wrong a lot of waste is, is produced so you have these pieces and if they're broken there's not much else you can do besides probably throw, throwing them away so there is also certain responsibility and that's also why the number is quite reduced it's 32 pieces plus one uh, so there is a special edition and a few spare pieces in case. Uh, and so it's already quite a big series uh, to produce, but still it's not, it's not a mass uh, product. And there are a few collectors that uh, claimed it. And so I had to ship it uh, all around the globe. The interesting part that all the tokens sold out basically instantly almost, but uh, only 50% half of the people uh, claimed the token so hmm. the mechanism was if you buy the token then you can claim the physical part and I will send it to you through this claiming mechanism and so on and here exactly in this list you can see the ones that have been claimed and the ones that have not and yeah it's more or less half huh. interesting yeah I guess that 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 uh goes a little bit into our NFT, our Web3 world, how people do things. And I remember, I remember seeing when this came out, uh, it's it's brilliant, honestly. It still has like a really, really good price. Uh, only one of them for sale, which is really impressive. And I remember thinking, this is so cool. Like, this is one of the coolest things that I've seen. So I'm not surprised it, it sold out quickly. Like, uh, really cool. And uh, I could probably talk to you for a whole episode about this, but I'll I'll move on because I want to show some of your other artwork and obviously get to materialized, but it just shows that I wanted everybody listening to see the creativity you're bringing here and you're bringing a new dimension. I mean, you're the first artist that I know, and I'm sure there's some others, but you're the first one that I know of that's really working with screens in this way and thinking about how to incorporate the screen into the art. Uh, and that obviously I'm sure goes back to a lot of your background, Nokia, cell phones, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I wanted to showcase just some of your other work. Uh, I, you know, I first discovered you on FX hash, um, and you're obviously making uh, generative art here and, uh, all of your works, as far as I can tell, uh, contain motion in them. So you have to actually run the, run it to fully appreciate it. Beautiful works here. Uh, I'm curious, what was, uh, you know, why did you decide to, to hop in? Was it just to experiment? And um, maybe you can talk us through, you have a lot of work uh, between FX hash, 
feral file, super rare, known origin. You you've done a lot. Um, maybe you can draw the thread from where you started in terms of your artistic journey with Web three art and how you built on that through these various pieces to get to what you're working on now with Materialized or what you're about to release now with Materialized. Yeah, so as I said before, I, I started because it was happening in front of my eyes and I, I also wanted to try something. And as most of my work and also my work with CD, it's a kind of work or a kind of project that usually starts from a sort of constraint so there is some device that we want to try out. And this device has a lot of limitations. Maybe it's small, maybe it's big, maybe, maybe it's low, or maybe it has just one color. And so this is usually an entry point for, for most of our projects. So there is an aspect of some device, of some thing that we, we consider that is limited. And that's where we start. And so when I I wanted to start with with um, a Web3 project with some NFT, then this constraint doesn't exist so much anymore because you have just a screen and you can start to display whatever you want. You can do a drawing, you can take a picture, you can shoot a small movie or do a 3D animation or some generative stuff. So the screen itself doesn't have many limitations. Whatever idea you have, you can just display. And so I needed to build some kind of rule, at least for the beginning, to to get started in, in this space. And so I told myself, okay, I want, for now, I just limit myself to text. I'm going just to use text as a, as, as a limitation. And then everything is much, much simpler because the screen doesn't have such a high resolution anymore because you can only put characters. You don't have pixels anymore. I didn't want to, work so much with color because the characters already have uh, have interesting aspects and so this was more or less the starting point I, I told myself let's start with text let's start with ASCII art but I was working with ASCII art since several years uh, in the past so it was also kind of a natural way to to explore this even further and I was also curious if the audience would be ready would be interested in this sort of um, visual output. I didn't know about FBF yet, so this, uh, even about Autoglyph. Uh, so these are two, let's say, text uh, projects, but I, I wasn't aware of them uh, yet. So I just started with this. And when I started in 2021, there were a few platforms available. Uh, some had some kind of gate, you couldn't just access but some were just open and they accepted video and uh, still image as, as medium and my work is all about uh, movement or most of my work is, is about movement motion and rhythm let's say and so I chose to to create loops in text and to publish them and there was an interest I was, I was kind of surprised people were amazed apparently by 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 these these pieces and so i started to explore all the platforms that were around I, I i didn't know them so i wanted to publish something on on each and for some you had to go through some process to to get admitted and some didn't take me so i was a bit discouraged i said ah i cannot publish on this platform i will miss all these audience but it it, it went quite well 
And then came, came uh, Feral File, they invited me for this exhibition. This is exactly the piece you show here. And this is the first time, I think, I'm not so sure, but probably that I could uh, release a real-time piece. And real-time me means that it's not a loop, it goes on forever. And the most important aspect for me, it can adapt to any uh, screen size or to any aspect ratio. So you can fill the whole area. You have a vertical screen, it will work. You have a small phone, it will work. You have a normal computer or laptop screen and you will have always a full screen experience. And so that's, I think, uh, one of the first uh, where I could publish this kind of work. And finally, I think it was during this period or maybe slightly before, also Hicket Nank, this strange beast <laughs> came, uh, was presented, and I could publish several work uh, on Hicket Nank as well. And they were crazy enough to allow any sort of uh, uh, file format. They could even, they would even accept PDF files or like in this case here, SVG files. So SVG are vector files, but they, SVG files can also run code if it's embedded correctly into it. So they would allow, you could just throw a piece of code to Hiketnang and they would display it. So this was quite uh, an amazing discovery. Yeah, these may be some of your Hiketnang files. Oh, wow. I haven't seen this one before. Man, you have so much that's so diverse. Uh, uh, still looping, like you mentioned, but it's really, really cool stuff that you have here. Um, you you must have been making art nonstop to have so much of this uh, coming out. Uh, this is really cool. We Well, we won't scroll through all of these. Uh, I, uh, I wanted to just uh, showcase some of them, uh, but you're also on Super Rare, I'm curious, when did you decide to go the, the super rare route? Uh, and, you know, what were you building upon for that? Well, tech start, as you can see, <laughs> this was my, my initial constraint and I got a little bit less uh, rigid. So I, I broke out of this initial rule I gave myself at a certain point, but uh, but this was one of the, of the closed platforms. So I, I wanted to try it as well and see if it would make a if it would make a difference uh, or not if it could reach a different audience and at the time at least a few years ago there were people that collected only on this platform for example or only this one and a few others they wouldn't go outside of uh, of this zone so it was interesting to to be able to to interact with different areas and uh, different collectors as well yeah that makes sense and and uh so you you decided to break your rule about just character art. Which work was it where you first said, "Okay, let me let me try something different now"? Um, <laughs> I don't remember exactly. I, I uh, but you know, maybe. okay, no worries, because I there's one that I've been wanting to talk about. I think this is one of your more recent ones. Yeah, just February this year. Um, Smooth steps. This is no longer characters, but I think also brilliant uh maybe you could talk to us about this one this came out on fx hash uh what what was the evolution i'm gonna go with this this one here i like this what were you trying to work on this time and what was the new constraint well first of all there are still ascii characters hidden in this project so even if they are quite broken and chopped up 
And there are a few examples where you will eventually recognize a few letters from the alphabet in, uh, in, in, in a, as here you can see a few numbers, four, three, mm -hmm. four. Mm -hmm. And um, so I wanted to explore uh, this feeling of depth. And this, I, I wanted always to, to give a sort of haptic feeling uh, to the project. But I very rarely or almost never, there are a few exceptions, but I almost never work in, in uh, three dimensions, maybe because of my graphic design two-dimensional background, if you want. And so this is also not uh, a 3D project, even if it looks uh, slightly 3D. So I found this, this uh, aspect, I wanted to explore this aspect of giving a sense of depth of something which would almost which you want almost to touch, but without going the full three um, D route, and so yeah, this is it. And smooth steps. This is a tongue in cheek somehow for for those who know how to program shaders. So in shader there is a smooth step function. It's the name of a function, and it's one of the functions I use heavily uh, in this project. So, got it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, oh man, I, I got to get you back sometime. Whoops. That's just a habit of always clicking there. I got to get you back sometime so we can talk through uh, all of your works. There's so many and they're so cool. Uh, I actually got to make sure I collect some first before I start talking about it more. But um, let's, uh, let's, let's switch gears and talk about materialized. Uh, so I'm going to pull up the screen here to show the verse page with it. But with materialized, um, what, you know, what was the art, you know, how did you come up with the concept and what were you, what new constraints were you trying to work with or what new artistic intent were you trying to build on? We didn't come up with the concept. Leila came up with the concept. So she invited me first after she saw, after I, uh, we met in, in Paris exactly one year ago or almost exactly one year ago and she said ah you have to come to london and you have to bring this kind of work because i just presented some uh physical based work during a presentation in 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 paris and so if you want it's her fault and <laughs> i'm super glad this happened and she she was she was really insistent i almost couldn't say no so i i was really uh, flattered by 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 her and so we very slowly in the beginning started to to talk about it and to discuss and she proposed our spaces and i i also told her um okay i come but for this sort of a exhibition as i showed this more physical work this is in this exhibition i also want to involve cd because what you saw is was mostly work of uh, us it was not uh, exclusive mine work so and she she agreed um, instantly and so yeah we started to talk about it and she showed us some spaces as an entry point to design an exhibition and it was always we already had a problem because the space she showed us as a first choice almost was huge and a huge space is, is not it's great of course but it's also it's very difficult to solve uh, because you kind of have to fill it with something otherwise it will uh, will be empty and then we said yeah but this is too big and then she gave us a second choice and the second choice was not much better i mean it wasn't much 
smaller. It was smaller, so we we settled for this one, but it was still huge. And so we thought, um, okay, we will create new work. We will uh, create digital artworks. We will create physical artworks because we have this beautiful space now. But at a certain point, we realized that we were missing uh, something, something which would really live in this space. And that's probably the, the image you see on top. So this is one of the pieces that came almost last into the exhibition, but it will be the very central piece because it will fill up. It, it cannot even fit straight into the space. We had to, to bend it so it will be on the diagonal from one corner to the other. It will fill up the space uh, completely. And this is an older work. Uh, it's based on these uh, seven segment displays. And uh, yeah, it will, it will be there. It will be there in its third iteration. So this is an interesting material that we have. And we, with this work specifically, with this one, every time we manage to, to show it in a context, we reinvent it and we reprogram it. So it's an evolving piece. Uh, if you want. So we are extremely happy to be showing it. And this is the third time we, we managed to, to show it in more or less, um, I think seven or eight years. So it hasn't been shown so much, but so also- The third evolution. Um, third evolution, exactly. Awesome. And and so, okay, so, uh, and I'm gonna stop sharing my screen because I know you have some, some physical stuff to show. So we, we can get to that too, but- so Layla invites you for to do this exhibition materialized to show off this type of art. Um, then you see the space. How did you then decide you, you have seven pieces that you'll be showing? Um, how did you decide on those seven? And you know, what what was the concept that you and CD came up with? But the concept, or it, this was also at the entry point because of Layla, she she saw these physical pieces that we presented and she said, you put this physical stuff in the in this exhibition, but also first comes from more crypto, from more Web three background. So she asked, ah, but can you do something also for Web three? Can you do something which also exists in this area? And so we started to think, and we came up with ideas, and then these ideas from purely. Um, dematerialized if you want from purely screen projects came back into the physical world and so we started to thinking about all these pieces that are a little bit different from what was the current let's say uh web3 space where there is not much there are of course uh, a lot of uh, physical works but not so many as, as the completely virtualized completely image movie or, or anything else so we wanted to really push this aspect of uh, physical pieces inside this, um, this this space. And there will be, you said it's seven works, only one is purely um, digital, even if we are going to show a print of this piece. This is it's not even a static piece, but we thought, okay, for this piece, we can produce a, a static image. So even a static image is uh, a physical piece at a certain point. Okay, so now now the name materialized makes a whole lot more sense that they use. I, I should have figured that out before, but 
Uh, that makes a ton of sense. And of the seven works, are all of them also going to have an NFT component, whether that's for, uh, no, not all of them will be NFTs. So some are only physical. Exactly. So but we already talked a little bit about the first piece, which is this older piece, and this will continue to exist in, in this form. So it will not get, uh, it will not become uh, an NFT. We have a second uh, work, which is also a remix. We were waiting for something to happen in an English-speaking country for this piece. It's based on Word, and it also runs on a mechanical display. In this case, it's a, a display made for, for train stations. And it's uh, called Six Letters, but the original title is Italian. It's called Sei Lettere. And it's just six split flap elements. I can show it here. Yeah, please. These is a split uh, flap element and it's a really beautiful electromechanical piece it's beautifully engineered it's almost a fetish uh, object and this is this was made for uh, the swiss railway uh, train stations and it displays uh, information of course in a mechanical way and i can turn by hand this motor and that's how it why it's called split flap because these blades, they fall. And there's a whole alphabet and a bunch of numbers and a few symbols. And um, this beautiful object, they, imagine they threw it away, Swiss uh, Railway threw this object away a few years ago and we knew about, and so we, we managed to grab a few. But six letters, so it's six of these elements, six letters, and there is only about three, 4,000 uh, six-letter words in Italian. There is more than double in English. And so, but we decided to select the most common one. So we come back to 3,500 words of six-letter in English language. And so we display these words on the screen. And this is already kind of a beautiful thing because seeing this thing move it makes a lot of sound and it's really a fascinating uh, object. But just to display this word, this, word, this is not really a project. So the trick of the project or the real content is the sequence or the order in this, in uh, which these words are displayed. And this is the, the concept, let's say, of, of this project. And the order is not alphabetical. It's an order that is uh, obtained to produce the least effort or the least use of mm. these motors. And so, for example, if I uh, want to go to the next letter, so let's say to uh, P, so one, two, three, three times you flap. But now if you want to go from P to N, you have to do the whole tour because it, this cannot go backwards, it goes only forward. So from to going from O to P, it just takes three steps, but then from P to O, it takes a lot. And mm -hmm. so if you order words in a certain way, not across a single element, but across, but across all these elements, there is a way. So we were looking for a way to use the motors uh, at least. And there is a, in information theory, there is a, a, a name or there, is, there are a few concepts to measure the distance between words. So if you have words of the same length, you can measure the distance between words 
by counting the number of letters that need to change to get from one word to the other. To the other. So from, from cat to rat, for example, the distance is one because we've just changed one letter. But in our case, from cat to rat, the distance would be more because you have to pass from C and go through all these letters to get to red. So the original is uh, the original name to measuring this distance is called the Hemming distance. And this in, in this case, it's the Hemming split flap distance. And so that's how this, this was uh, ordered. And this is also just a physical piece because it's also an evolution of um, uh, of an existing project, but we are so happy that we could finally translate this into English. And we also designed a new controller. So you drive these old things with something you have to plug in here. And we just managed to build a, a custom piece of electronics that will contain the whole software. And we will also be able to run this piece. That's so cool, man. I got to tell you though, the, uh, the NFT the collectors are going to wish that you, they could make an NFT out of this. So maybe in the future you can, I have some ideas, you know, you can throw in some ASCII or no, you throw in whatever the, uh, the, the Ethereum address is of the person who mints and that somehow randomizes it. And then you get a random word and the NFT with that word. That's how, what one way to do about it, but, but that's amazing. And I think that, uh, I love how verse and you are leaning into the mix of the digital and the physical. So, that's two of the pieces that are going to be physical only with the other five all be uh, digital as well. And me meaning can collectors own the other five or one of the other five? Collectors can also own this one. This comes in an edition of five. Ah, okay. It's extremely expensive because these pieces are expensive first of all, but the price of the hardware is not the price of the, of the artwork. Otherwise we would pay painting we would pay just for the paint but that's no not the case. of course pay for the artwork but here the paint let's say is already extremely expensive so this is going to be an expensive artwork and somebody wants it and he can i'm buy sure it, they but... will i mean that's some fine swiss engineering right the swiss railroad system so uh you know incredible <laughs> okay awesome and you, you have a few of the other ones oh actually i should ask you so how is that going to work? Are people going to uh, be able to buy it online and then you ship it or do they have to be in person for this? We are still discussing this with, with Verse uh, to, to figure out a, a proper way uh, because it's also new for them to only have physical uh, without have, being able to, to connect it to, to, to some token or, or something else. So we are still discussing this. Also, we are not expect, we don't have expectations about the sales of this one. So we don't have any uh, parameters as well. So we're really in these last two weeks that we have more or less, we are uh, still figuring out a way to, to put this piece. Well, I, I, I will tell you since uh, there's only saying. five, people are gonna want it just because there's only, and it's cool, right? But the, then it's cool, it's scarce, uh, people want it. So we'll, you know, by the time this comes out, I'm sure there'll be some kind of mechanism for collecting that. Uh, for the the folks listening, and you have a few others in in the shop here uh, that you wanted to show. Maybe you can show us uh, the other pieces that will be there. I think it's. Uh, I got to tell you, I love this part. Uh, first of all, you're doing so much thought and in depth um, 
creativity that you're applying to these pieces, you know, creating the custom controller, thinking about the distance to the letters. Like, I love that. So thank you for sharing it. And I also love that you have these physicals and we don't get to see that very often. Uh, that's part of the reason why doing these, these video podcasts is amazing. So, uh, sorry, I interrupted you, but yeah, I'd love to see, uh, some of the other ones too. I haven't even seen them yet. So this is, uh, like exciting for me. But there is another uh, physical only, which is, uh, I have here, uh, a prototype first prototype. So this is just a board. Again, it's, uh, this is completely custom made. It also has our signature here in gold. It's not gold because we want gold, but because the, if you want a, a good quality electronic circuit, you can have it gold plated so that yeah, it, it won't corrode, circuit. right? That's the benefit of gold. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so, but now we have our signature in gold. Uh, but it's a, it's like a gold a record. <laughs> exactly. And so this is just one single PCB comes out of uh, PCB production factory. Here there is a microcontroller embedded here. And uh, on the other side, there are all these connectors. And why did we build this? But, but there's a story behind this piece. I was traveling in Shanghai in uh, 2019, and I was living there for, for a while, for a few months. And so I visited these incredible electronic stores, electronic shops. These are five, six store, uh, stories, uh, floors of several stores of which are so dense and so full of uh, parts. Most of these parts, you could not figure out uh, what they are for. And so I was scavenging this place and I was exploring it. And then I found several of, of uh, these shops where we're selling uh, LEDs and custom LEDs, special LEDs, old LEDs. And so I took several pictures in these shops and then I sent them to CD. CD City has a family, so he cannot really travel as freely as I can. And we decided to choose a few of these custom LEDs uh, from this shop. And so I would go back uh, the next day and ask if I could buy a bunch of um, a thousand or a few thousand of these uh, LEDs. And one piece, on one special LED on which we settled is this one. So it, it's a interesting object because it, it has this cross in the center and it has these several pins so i knew by the number of pins that something would happen with this cross it's not just an on and off led because it has too many pins to be just on and off so something would probably happen inside this uh, configuration of, of this segment and so i bought a few thousands and i brought them back and then we started to explore this piece and we turned them on. And the interesting part is if you turn it on, if you put the current on, on a few pins, it becomes green, one line, and the other one, the vertical line becomes red. The interesting part of this piece is that if it's off, so horizontal red, vertical green, if it's off, you don't know if it's like this or if you turn it by 90 degrees. So it would be green, vertical, and red, horizontal. So when it's off, you don't know if it's oriented. You, you would only know by looking at the pins behind. 
But so there is this ambiguity in, in a certain way in this object. And so what to do? So that's why we designed this piece here. You can, and this was important for us to, to respect the original piece. You can plug them in. I mean, we will plug them in without soldering. So they just plug like this, they stay. And we, this can be configured. And as I told before, it's different if you plug it in like this, or if you plug it in like this, if the current passes on these pins here, it will turn red, or if it's turned, it will turn on uh, green. And so we will run the same software on eight of these panels. The same program will run, but these LEDs, as they are physically configured differently, what you see, uh, will be different. So in this case, it's, it's a series of eight of these pieces, but it's it's not an addition because each piece is unique because each piece has a, a different configuration uh, of these LEDs. And the processor here will, will run uh, a generative code that turns them on. I have here, this is, this is an early prototype. So we made a few mistakes. It also has a smaller margin. And this is just a test, uh, a test run to, to test these LEDs. They can not only turn on and off, but we, we mounted a special chip behind here that also allows some dimming. And I think it's interesting, it's interesting to dim these old LEDs. That's not what they are, were made for, but we thought that maybe it's interesting also to, to have a, an extra layer um, of, uh, of expression, not just it's on and off of this cross-shaped uh, piece so i don't know it's super cool it, man it's, it, it's always difficult to film leds the camera sensor it, it turns them almost white but the, the red here is really really intense maybe you can see maybe yeah. from my face you can see the face is red even if the light here is really is really white so yeah you have to see it live this, camera, this is not good this is brilliant. This is brilliant. And people are going to want that too. Unfortunately, only physical, but um, that's awesome. And so when you, sorry, I, I have to ask, like when you put in the generative system, it do, does each, there's 64 of these, right? 64 of the different um, plates. No, these are uh, only eight. Only eight. So will the pattern be different on each, on each of the eight? Yes, because they're physically configured differently. Got it. And then the generative system, like it, it varies the, the rate of the current, basically. The the speed through that, which, okay, that's awesome. Okay, okay. What's what's next? What what else do you, you got that you can show us? Um, so there are two projects that were also born from a physical constraint as this one or the, the mechanical one before. And these two projects, they, they started almost as an exercise of uh, a very of a square made of LEDs. And these LEDs are only um, 64 times 64 pixels. So 64 times 64 is 4,096. So 4,000 pixels, small, a square like this. I have here an example. You can, have, you can get this uh, as an industrial piece like this, or you can get a few tiles and then put them together and uh, get a, a different size. I will show you uh, a better view of the of the piece uh, in a second. But so 
64 pixels by 64 on a computer screen or on a phone screen are basically a few millimeters with today's retina or uh, high density display. So 64, not even an icon is 64 by 64 pixels. It's really a character probably on a screen. An A in a text editor is probably 64 times 64 pixels. So this is the amount of pixels that we are thinking um, about. And we kind of told ourselves, this is an interesting space. We want to come up with ideas for this extreme uh, constrained area. But this area becomes big if these pixels start to become big as well. So like in exactly this sort of LED screen here. So these are 64 pixels. This is not a high resolution screen. This is a low, extremely low resolution screen. This is an industrial component. You can buy this uh, again from China. You can order them. They are not so expensive. And they are made to stay outside and they're quite, quite a quality product, but they have no decoration, no frame. They are naked, almost brutal piece of hardware, really beautiful. And so we put them together on this aluminum plate that we machined ourselves. And no, we make, made it machine, but we, we designed it. So it has this bent here on the corner. So it gives it a little bit of stability. And yeah, so that's basically what we want. And here through this hole, you can see the, the custom controller. Again, it's a piece of hardware that drives this, uh, these pieces. And so what we do is we have several of these screens and we write a piece of software that runs on this limited uh, space and we burn it in, inside this chip that we also made. And it also has this golden signature, even if it's really small because the chip is, is uh, tiny. Maybe I can show you one uh, if I find it. So here, this is the controller uh, all alone. So this piece contains generative software, which is made for this kind of uh, screen. And the first of the two pieces is this one. It's called 64 pixels. I know it's, we are not really good with names. So these names are really basically a description of the piece itself. There is no extra layer except one uh, with the names. So the, the piece before is called six letters and this one is called 64 pixels. So you see the, no, the logic slowly. And this, this other one, this is called red and green. <laughs> So I love it. Easy. I love it. And, and uh, so, this so is... the software determines the pattern that you see the colors. No, no. So these pieces, these shapes that you see here, they all use 64 pixels. So the pixels which build these images here is always the same number. And the number comes from the horizontal line. If you draw the simple image you can draw on the screen, it's just a line. And this line is 64 long. Mm. And then all these new shapes, they will use this, uh, uh, this amount of, the same amount of pixels. And what the generative piece does, it just calculates these transitions from one piece to the other. But these shapes, they are hand-drawn by CD, by the way, it's really good. And several of these shapes, they also have a very small uh, idea or a, a conceptual thought. So inside this series of images, 
there is also kind of another series of images that have some uh, sort of uh, specialty. What what happens or uh, the sequence? So the software also generates uh, almost um, in almost infinite uh, sequence. So the interesting thing is when one shape moves to the other one. That's so these kind of combinations and rotations and reflections. There are several, and it's going to be um, quite a long uh, sequence. And so this exists in a quite limited edition because again production is production is heavy. We need to ship this stuff to London as well. So uh, yeah, there's a limited many, edition. Eight, eight of these as well, or more than eight? Eight, eight for, so we have two series of, based on this kind of uh, constraints of this small square uh, of pixels. So this is one, and we have eight physicals for this one and eight for the other one. Although we are considering maybe a different approach, but so when this will be aired, the decision is take, but now we are still considering a slightly different approach. And this idea, so the idea of this is to recycle a small amount of pixels to do, to do drawing. It comes also in a digital form. And I have here um, uh, a version that is made for the phone. So the NFT, the digital uh, piece comes and exists as a web app or it can run in a browser. And I wrote a text, a pixel render that does the same. And so, ah, you can, I can put them on your, on the reflection of your face. Yeah, exactly. This is and so, so cool, man. And, and this is also, uh, I, I pulled it up. It's running, um, this is on the verse website too. I'll just show it super quickly here. Uh, the 64 that, pixels. That was a prototype. And, um, yeah, so it, this exists on, on two different platforms. I mean, even to program these two things, you need to program the, those in two different languages, but what doesn't change is the algorithm itself and the idea which is behind this piece is the same and it can translate uh, to a different context as well. But the important thing about this piece that the idea originates from the constraints of this physical piece of this 64 by 64 um, pixels. So that's, that's the idea. And the second piece, which is called recursive tiles, it also runs on the same uh, construct with the same chip, but of course the firmware, so the the software that is inside, uh, they didn't upload it yet on the website. I just this was not did, there. Do, do you have this one in in person as well? I have it just um, not the physical now because this is a prototype. I'm I'm just running it. Got it. Uh, just running this one, but I have it. I have the version, the purely digital version on the phone as well. So maybe I can just show it here and it's called recursive tile and this is the idea here is to again just use this very limited amount um, of space and this is a tile that uses itself to draw itself so it's a tile which is made of the same tile but in smaller versions so the idea the first step of a recursive system or if you want of a fractal and uh, this tile is also drawn in time, not only in space. And so you can see that the 
shape that you can see in this small part are the same as the shape of the mm -hmm. of the big part. I don't know if looking at this piece through the webcam on a on a phone is a good idea. I think it needs to be best experience on a physical device or otherwise on a on a phone. But these are the two pieces that have this this um, tangible part. But also, if you want, if you just like the idea and don't want some some stuff in 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 your house, some some heavy stuff in your house, then you can you can just have the the software part if you want. No, that's super cool. I love how you uh, how you made both of those options, and maybe I'll uh, I, I know I'm going back and forth while I'm sharing, but I'd love to just quickly talk through some of the other ones. Uh, so you mentioned digits, which is the the big installation that's uh, going to be there, which is super cool. I'm jealous. I won't be able to see that one, uh, but excited for to see you. and to hear because this piece is very very loud. <laughs> and ah. I, I can show you just just as a small break. Yeah, I have here. Um, this is a smaller version of this seven segment digit. So you can see this is it's a metallic piece. Again, a beautiful unadorned industrial piece made to communicate numbers. So this is high contrast, 100% uh, mechanical, and it has these blades that can come out. And there is, again, there is no light involved, but they are really loud. I don't know. Now you cannot hear them probably. I, but I, I think I, uh, the the software is suppressing the noise, but I know what you're talking about. It's that same idea almost at the train station where you hear it, the changes and you, you hear the whatever when it's updating the, the time for the train or the next one or whatever. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Well, we're going to... Uh, I wish I could be there uh, next next time for sure. Uh, and then you talked about the six letters here, which dorsal, great word, um, probably one <laughs> maybe not everybody knows, uh, but the scientific term. Oh, my computer's freaking out. We just talked about six pic pixels. Um, I'd love to hear more about VFD CUU. This is also, I think, on um, somewhere near the front page. There we go. Here's some more of those images. Yeah, so this is, as you can see from the date, this is um, a piece we, we built. It's one of the first time we built uh, a physical piece uh, that will run some custom software uh, inside it. And it also existed in a very small edition. This is just a, an edition of, of three pieces. And so we wanted to bring this as well to to celebrate a, a little bit this sort of beginning. It wasn't the very first, but it was the first that we really conceived as a as a piece and as a series and a small um, edition as well. And so this is also born around an industrial piece. So inside this wooden frame, it's the first time, and we regretted it uh, a little bit that we used um, some adornment. So we built a box. Uh, around the object. Usually all our pieces are completely naked, completely bare bone, but this one has this, this wooden flavor because we imagine this piece, which is really tiny, we imagine it as a, as a sort of a device, a sort of an object that you could put on your desk because it has this greenish light. It slightly flickers. It's not really invasive. It's not really, it's not a punch in the face it's it's a, it's a smooth object a soft object and we imagine it as a as a thing that you could put 
on the desktop and sometimes when you don't want to watch uh, look at the computer you can just enjoy a little bit of kinetica sitting there back um, into the corner so that's why we gave him this a little bit more of a, a domestic and warm uh, feeling so that's why uh, the wood but the display itself the name again i'm, I'm sorry about the lack of creativity <laughs> it's no. EFT and it's a vacuum fluorescent display so this is the kind of display technology that's used in this in this uh, screen it's a very interesting it's with uh, all the technologies it's not a liquid crystal so these small uh, matrices they actually emit light and this greenish light is typical of uh, of this technology it's not it's not a tint that is put on top that's uh, exactly how these um, displays work and you would find this alphanumeric display usually in the in cash registers or in where a small text output is is needed and so yeah like we, a old vcr or something like that old vcr exactly this kind of of uh, greenish uh, a light and those are really really beautiful uh, screens and they, they are super long lasting they have a, a very long lifespan and um, yeah so we we programmed them with these uh, text mode uh, text animations and text transitions again it's a mix of patterns and, and movement especially so rhythm is, is, is always a, a very important component uh, in our work, it, I would say it's more more than a formal work. It's a it's a, more than an image or a geometric work. It's, it's mostly a, a sort of a choreography, I would say. Yeah, and I can see that there's the there's like a beat to it, in which it changes the image, uh, and it's yeah. I I think we pick up on it beautifully as humans. Um, and the the last one I wanted to ask you about, uh, actually, we mentioned this on our podcast that came out today because I think it's beautiful. I really like this one. And this one is seems to be leaning a little bit more into the 3D sensation that that you used in Smooth Steps. Can you tell us about this one, Wayfinder? Yeah, so it's it's interesting that you mentioned 3D because, of course, uh, it, it looks... It feels 3D, it has a feeling of this depth, but I like to define this piece and maybe even smooth steps if you want as a sort of 2.5D because it's not really a 3D engine which, which sits behind this, this piece of software. It's the way of thinking about this piece, it's completely two-dimensional. So this is, a, you have to imagine it like a stack of 2D shapes, one on top of the other or one behind the other. And when they go uh, in, into the back, they fade out uh, slowly. So this is why the whole way of thinking about these shapes that appear and that morph is two-dimensional. And then the result, because it's a stack, is of course uh, 3D, but it's not really um, a, a 3D uh, engine. And even the way of programming it is sort of uh, 2D. But of course, there is this depth factor. But how did this project originate? It's, this was a, a bit problematic for me and CD. And what we see here is still um, a work in progress work. So it's still evolving uh, until probably the very end. That's usually how we, how we run. So until it's published, we will tune it until the last 
detail, but this, as, as you saw, most of our works, it starts from a constraint, it starts from a limitation. And if this limitation doesn't exist, we create it ourselves. Uh, we, we limit the space, we limit the numbers, we limit the colors. And then inside this, this limitation, we start to, to think about the solutions. And of course, again, if you go back to a computer screen, we have an issue because as we said in the beginning, you can do whatever you want. And so we're kind of reasoning of what could we do if we now have access to all the pictures, to all the calls of the, of the computer screen. And so we wanted to use a gradient. So a full value from white to black, because that's what screen are very good at to, to create gradients. But this kind of physical object, you cannot have gradients. L LCD screens, you cannot have gradients. Some LED gradients, they are not so good. They can display colors, but not in uh, in an amazing way, like like a computer screen. So that's this was the entry point. We wanted to to use the full spectrum of grays uh, available in the in the piece. We also reasoned about colors, but then again, we needed to limit ourselves. So we we just went with this um, with this idea. And then we also, we remembered, and this is the only project that has a name that is not uh, related directly to what you see, because we used to work, so we were called as designers uh, to work on a science fiction movie um, a few years ago. And it was a very interesting job that we got for a few months. And it was a job to imagine the communication system, the um, uh, street signs, the wayfinding systems in, in the future, in a future society, a society, not a, a good society, a society full of problems, full of machines, full of AIs that walk around and some, I, 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 if I remember correctly, there were also some alien forms and so all these different entities, these different intelligences, these different ways of seeing or perceiving reality needed common ways ways to be organized to to move around these super crowded cities and so on and so we got this brief and this brief was it's an amazing brief for a designer or even for an artist i think to imagine the future and to imagine things and so we drew a lot of things we created a lot of Im Im uh, images uh, animations and we just sent them back to the to the studio and they wouldn't use them in production environment. They would just use them for themselves to, to draw out ideas of, of whatever we, we threw. Uh, we, we had no limitations. We could do what, whatever we, we wanted to imagine. And so I built a, a, a system similar like this to, to create some of the imagery that we, we presented in this context. And of course, as we presented a lot of stuff, we just, I, I created this, we made a few experiments and we said, ah, this could be interesting for this and this reason. And then we send it. And this project, it just barely began. We just did these images and then we shut it down and we moved on. And so when we were thinking about this context, we remembered this project and we said, okay, this, this idea there had some potential. We didn't really explore it until the very bottom. Let's figure it out. Let's go back to what we had and uh, let's build upon them. 
about it. And so it's kind of a mix of these two ideas. So the initial hard constraint of wanting to use a gradient and this previous idea and to, to, to uh, give an homage, uh, homage, how, how do you say this? That's yeah, right, how do yeah. you say this in English? An homage to, to this initial brief, to this initial movie, to the director that trusted us uh, and was very generous with us. We wanted to at least keep a very small reference um, to this project in, and we called it uh, Wayfinder. And uh, yeah. I was gonna say it's mesmerizing. Like I, I can't stop looking at it. It's just really, yeah, I love it. I don't know what to say. It's really cool. And I I hope this doesn't uh, come off strange, but it reminds me a little bit of Tetris, the game Tetris, if you remember, or if you ever played it, because you get them and then they all get eliminated once you have the row. Uh, but of course, this time, you're always getting it perfectly and it keeps going. This is one of the generative machines. So there are, of course, several directions, several trades. This one, this is an example that uses only uh, square shapes, but we have different generator shapes, if you want, that get pushed through this sort of infinite extruder, if you want. Got it. Oh, man. So how many of these are there going to be, if you've decided? This is uh, decided because the number, it's it's not true maybe what i'm saying uh, it's not perfectly true because but the number of grays you can do on a screen on today's screen you can do more but ideally it's 256 shades of gray from black to white so mm -hmm. because it's 8 bit and so we wanted to use this number for for the addition number it's also a number that is uh, significant in the computer world because it's too um, uh, elevated by 8 and it, it is a meaningful number in this context and so we wanted to use this but first because this is the number of grays each image has and so this is also the number of uh editions that uh, we wanted to have awesome awesome um well thank you so much for talking through these i'm gonna, I'm gonna stop sharing the screen here uh and i'm super excited for this even more so now i appreciate you talking us through all these artworks I know it's getting late for you, so I want to let you go, but I want to ask, what's next for you? I know it's probably hard to think about it when you have just, a, you're at the end of the, hitting the deadlines for this exhibition, but um, what has you interested next, if, if there's anything that comes to mind? I just took a one-way trip to London, so for this exhibition, I just took the ticket to go to London, so that's next, I don't know. So we'll find out. Who knows where you'll end up after that? Well, awesome. I'm sure you'll find some amazing LEDs or maybe some, you know, train signs or or something that you can pull some inspiration from. And uh, I'm super excited for this. We'll link everything to the show notes, your website, your Twitter, all of these in the exhibition. And I just, I really appreciate you sharing this with us and especially showing what you have in, in I'm going to call it your laboratory there. Um, because it's it's more more than just a, an art studio. You, you guys are inventing things, custom hardware, custom software. So thank you again for taking the time and sharing with us. I think people are really going to like this. I can't wait for this to come out and for people to see your awesome art. Thank you. Thank you very much.
Yeah, cool. Well, for everybody, it's Andreas Giesen and his with his uh his uh, co-creator CD Vanetti. This is going to be materialized verse June 27th. The exhibition is live for four days, five days until July 1st. And there will be NFTs for sale, some physicals you get in the mail, heavy ones, but they'll be worth it. Well, until next time, we'll see you then. Take care. Thank you for tuning into Collector's Corner. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen. If you like this episode and want to help us out, please subscribe and leave us a review on your podcasting platform of choice like Apple Podcasts and Spotify and follow us on YouTube. Please also follow us on Twitter for announcements as we expand to other social and content platforms. Our Twitter handle is at collectors underscore XYZ. We'd also love to hear any feedback you have. So please comment or reach out. We're always striving to be more useful and get better so we can help you in your collecting journey. The Collector's Corner team and their guests are not registered investment advisors. All views expressed on this podcast are personal opinions and are not specific inducements to make particular investments or investment strategies and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. This show is solely for informational and entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, please consult a professional.